I'm very welcome to episode two of the Irish Soccer Podcast. Uh, delighted to be joined by Air Sports uh, broadcaster Shane Dawson, as well as regular contributor now uh, Keen Johnson. And not the result we wanted in Belgrade last night, uh, Serbia three, Republic of Ireland two. And Shane, I suppose before we get into it, um, how did you rate the performance um, from Ireland last night? Um. I think it was it was a weird one. It's it's one of those performances that will probably add fuel to the pro Kenny brigade and the anti Kenny brigade in terms of the performance didn't get a result, but at the time, but at the same time there were positives to take from it. Um, I think Stephen's hamstrung with, with selections and he's he's so unlucky with that, and that's not making excuses for the result itself. But I think there's a lot of chopping changing. I mean, the starting team there was only one player that played against Bulgaria, Dara O'Shea, and Dara O'Shea still is, is a young man developing as a footballer, albeit uh, in a highly competitive league. So, um, I think overall, listen, we got a goal. For, we got two goals. So you know, we scored scored for the first time in eleven hours. So that's certainly a, a good thing to take away from it. But th- there were glimpses of of what Stephen Kenny and his management team want to do, and there are glimpses of of the abilities of this Ireland team, which is positive. And it's a lot, it's, it's the first time in, in, in quite a while that you could take enjoyment out of watching some of the transitions in play, some of the attacks, some of the vision that, that these players always had, but a, they were a bit blinkered when they came and joined the national side over the past while. And maybe the blinkers are off now, the shackles are off and they can go and try and express themselves. But when it's all said and done, they didn't get the results and you need the results. I think Brian Kerr said it well on, on Virgin Media last night. It's all well and good playing this attractive football, but at the end of the day, you need the results to get to these big tournaments. And yes, Ireland are in transition. Yes, there's a lot of young players, these Stephen Kenny's players who have come up from the 21s, who have been given opportunities, which is is good to see. And I think that is definitely the future of, of, of Irish football because Shane Duffy, James McLean, Shane Long, these are all players who have served the country extremely well, but now it is a time to try and have a Dara O'Shea step up, have an Aaron Connolly step up. I think there was individuals who who done okay, um, and there are definitely be individuals that will be disappointed with their performance. I mean, let's address the elephant in the room, Mark Travers. He knows himself. He was at fault, um, and he made mistakes. He, he'll be his own worst critic in that regard, as, as all, all goalkeepers are. So, you know, individual errors cost us, but there's plenty to be positive about. And, and just on that Mark Travers point, I'm not sure if we will touch on it. As much as I say he was at fault and he made errors, the backlash online, particularly last night, of tagging him in tweets and on social media, um, criticising, is completely uncalled for. I mean, he, he is a young keeper on a big stage. He's a professional footballer, so he can, you know, handle a bit of criticism. But the, the just the pointed... Um, attacks are just it's disgusting to be honest um so yeah listen on 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 the base of it there's there's positives i suppose um and yeah we go again this weekend yeah no it, it was definitely disgusting what Mike Travers was receiving last night but um keen yourself how what did you think of the performance last night yeah same as same as Shane there I suppose there's positive and negative um I've seen a stat there it's in Ireland half an hour to open in the World Cup qualifying um uh, game since 1976 uh, there's 10 matches 7 wins and 3 draws so that's probably another unwanted record we're after we're after breaking but um, yeah like a lot, a lot of young lads got a run out, run out I suppose two young lads in the middle of the park done reasonably well um, 
Columbia had to come off. He probably ran out of a bit of steam. He's not playing regular football. Um, and Josh Cullum was, was probably one of our better players. Um, it was good to see Alan Brown playing well as well. He got forward for the goal. Um, you know, as uh, Shane touched on there, Darrell Shea was the only survivor from the last game. So I don't think any management coming in has, has had to deal with the unfortunate injuries and both COVID cases. Um, it's just some turnover in players. And even from the playoff game against Slovakia, there's, I think there's only six, six or sorry, there were six players missing from that game. Like, um, obviously the first and second chase goalkeeper, uh, Connor Howraham was actually probably the most informed Irish player since he went out on loan to Swansea. Uh, John Egan was playing regularly with Sheffield. Um, so James McCarthy, Callum O'Dowda, probably might he mightn't have started, but he would have been in contention. Adam Eda, you know. So I'm sure Stephen Kenny would have liked to have had a had all them to pick from. Um, but overall, I suppose there was positive and negative to the performance. Um, switching to the back three, um, I suppose hindsight is a great thing, but looking back, it probably it mightn't have been the right decision, considering he didn't have um, too much time to work on it. Um, like I, I don't know how many training sessions they had, maybe one or two. Um, you know, the, in Manchester, maybe one out, out in Serbia. But um, I know the players were saying they had a lot of team meetings, but I think anyone that plays sport will tell you that you can do have all the team meetings you want, but if you're, if you're working on something tactically, you need to be out on the training field. And uh, not to pick on Kieran Clark, but uh, he, he was at fault for nearly all of the goals. And maybe he's playing in a back four at Newcastle. Um, maybe switching to a back three and different players didn't help. But um, no, look, uh, I suppose the, the game at the weekend now becomes a, a must-win, really, if we're, if we're to qualify. Absolutely. And Shane, there were some big calls, I suppose, minutes before the game. Um, Shane Duffy, I suppose, not starting... Um, hasn't had his best run of form for Celtic, but he's really never let the Republic of Ireland down in any game. Um, and the big calls made as well, bringing Malumpy and Colin in as well and moving to the back three. What did you make out of that? Um, well, I think it was the right call bringing Dar O'Shea in, in, in place of Shane Duffy. I don't think it's a case of Shane Duffy hasn't been in form. He, he hasn't had game time. Okay, he, he hasn't had the greatest season at, at Celtic and he's had his own problems, but... He, he hasn't played, so it's not like he has been playing recently and not playing well. He just been hasn't been uh, getting the minutes on the pitch, so I'd be questioning his match fitness and his match sharpness. So I think Dara coming in was was the right call, and, and Dara's done very well in a, in a wide range of, of positions uh, across the back four for his club. Um, in midfield, I think Jeff Hendrick is still dining off his uh, performance in the Euros all those years ago, to be honest, because as much as this, oh, he's, he's you know, he's your seven and a half out of ten and he hasn't let Ireland down and he's solid I mean he hasn't been good you know that's the, that's the facts of it um and I, I'm not here to, to criticize individual players um overly or, or too harshly but you know giving Jason Malumbi a chance was was the right thing to do I think um Josh Cullen's been going very well uh over at Anderlecht as well Vincent Company was singing his praises so there's it, it's a team that was picked on form but it's also a team that there's a lot of trust in some of the younger guys that, that Stephen Kenny would know very well. So Stephen Kenny himself would definitely trust him. I think the Irish fan base as a whole might know as much as these players as Stephen Kenny does, certainly, but they wouldn't be as aware as them. You're not going to know Jason Malumbi as, as well as you know with Jeff Hendricks because when you think of, think of Hendrick, you know, you think back to the Euros, you think back at these really good big occasion moments. Um, but we're a few years on from that now. So it is now time to, to, I suppose, have faith in the younger guys. But at the same time, like Malumbi's not playing much at Preston. So it's tough on him. I think that's why he, why he came off in the end because his legs were just gone. Same with Aaron Connolly. I mean, Aaron Connolly's getting cramp on the 
60th minute. I'm, I'm not sure what time it was exactly, but I mean, that's not when he should be getting cramped as a professional footballer. But again, I think he's hampered by game time. Um, so in terms of the team selection, there's not much I would change. It's it's a funny one. I know Keen touched on the the formation at, at three in the back, and I wouldn't be Seamus Coleman's biggest fan as on, on the right of three central defenders. But having said that now, I think he done extremely well um, last night, and I think he anchored that defence and he's shown leadership as well. But it's it's fitting. It's this dilemma of fitting Coleman and Doherty in a team together, and where does Doherty play? I don't think Matt Doherty played very well last night. Um, he's had an up and down season. He's done okay when he's been given his chances. He hasn't always had the the opportunities to show what he can do. But I don't think he played very well last night. And the Coleman Doherty beside each other. Um, I'm not sure is is the right thing going forward. I know that Doherty played further up and, and Coleman's right against Gibraltar, uh, albeit now it was a horrible day, wind uh, and everything. So I don't think he can take much from that. So it's about what Stephen Kenny wants to do. If he wants to stick with three centre-halves, then this will be the formation going forward or he's going to tinker it for, for each team. Um, so, yeah, and listen, as, as Keane touched on as well, there are, there are a rake of players to come back as, you know, he listed them off there. So there'll be competition for places and there should be exciting football as a result um, of these young guys coming through. But when you look at the levels that we're at and the talent that we're at, we're not world beaters, you know? Um, And I think that's obvious. So I think we have to be realistic with our uh, ambitions. Yeah, and Keen, I suppose, a player that I suppose... A lot of people were looking at starting last night. Uh, Jason Knife has been playing very well for Derby County. He's been playing most of the games for them. I suppose it was a small bit of a surprise not to see him get on the field last night. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, I think was Rooney made him captain there in one of his first games. So that kind of shows what he thinks of him. But um, yeah, I suppose it's just down to Stephen Kenny and who he knows and who he trusts, I suppose, for a big game. But um, it, it's hard when they haven't had much time to prepare or any friendly games. But um, I don't know. I think personally, I think if if a lad is playing regularly at club football, especially um, for Ireland, I think he, he should be ne- nearly put him to the top of the pecking order. Because I was just looking at it there. I think five of our starting eleven last night are playing regular football. Uh, that's, that's basically half the team that aren't aren't playing week in week out. Um, and you compare that to Serbia, then like I think there's only one player, Mladenovic, uh, was actually replaced at half time. He's the only one that wasn't playing regularly. Like um. So I, I think that that probably showed a bit with the match sharpness. Um, and and I, as Shane was saying there, like I do think we need to be realistic. Like I think when is the last time we qualified for World Cup? It was over 20 years ago or something. So um, I think people do need to give it time. And like, like let's be honest about it. Like Serbia are, are a better team than us. Like whether people want to, to believe that or not. Like um, some like most of their players, uh, that Milenkovic centre back, he's played nearly every game for Fiorentina this year. Um, Rackets in midfield have said nearly every game at Valencia. Um, even the players they're bringing off the bench, like um, Kostic is regular at Frankfurt. Uh, Mitrovic obviously changed the game, got the goal. Um, like he, He's been a regular at Fulham. He's fallen out of favour uh, recently. They brought in Josh Madger there in January. Well, even in the Championship, like he was he was the top striker in the league. Um, Luke Jovic coming on. Like Graham did book the bank for him. Like when is the, I know it hasn't worked out for him. He's gone back on loan to Frankfurt. But like, when will an Irish player go to Madrid for £60 million, Like. Um, 
Linkovic Savage, like he's he's Lazio's top man, he's six goals and eight assists this year, like he wasn't even brought on. Um and then Tadic, like I mean people touched on it last night, like Tadic is a class act. Like he, he was the difference last night. Um Premier League fans and loan from Southampton, but uh he's with Ajax now, um he, he is a, a serious operator, like I think the L'Equipe, the French newspaper, are, are famous for giving really uh, harsh ratings. I think only eight players have got a 10 out of 10 in their, in their history. One of them was Tadic at the Bernabeu a few years ago. Um, you see him last night. Like He just he seemed like he had so much time on the ball. The flicks around the corner. Um, you know, he just puts he just puts his studs on it and he makes the, it makes the game look in slow motion. Um, like he set up, he got the three assists. Like he, got the, he set up the three Serbian goals. He headed it around the corner for the first one. Second one was just a nice little half volley on his right foot, and then the the last one he just stood it up for Mitrovic. Like so, look, um, I, it'd be great if we had someone as as a quality as Hadith, but um, look, I suppose we just have to accept a, a level we're at and hopefully try and get a few results and build something. I think though, in in terms of you name all the players that Serbia had and and the level that we're at, I think we have potential to progress. I think that is the the frustration at the moment, and that, I think that's what the frustration that we'll see from Ireland fans is that that this is a work in progress, but it's it's how patient they're going to be. Now, I'm not saying that an Aaron Connolly or a Troy Parrott or anything like that is going to get to the levels of Tadic or, or or someone. Now, hopefully, will be proven wrong, but you name all those Serbia players and the clubs they're playing for and the levels they're playing at and the regular game time they get, and then you look at Ireland. I think it was their most inexperienced starting 11 in a qualifier or in a competitive match since 1982. So, I mean, when, when you see stats and figures like that, that really, I suppose, emphasises the what Stephen Kenny is working with at the moment. Um, and it's not the players of, of, of Serbia's quality. Um, and at the same time, they're going a bit of through a transition themselves as well. They've, um, they didn't pick a lot of their senior players. And Serbia, I think, are really perennial underachievers doing really well at underage football but they haven't really shone uh, at senior level um, so again this might be a positive future for, for Serbia going forward but it's funny when you transition when, when you compare the two teams that they're going through that transition of, of blooding through younger guys but at the same time you've players that aren't getting game time uh, in England in, in the championship and so on and then as Keen said you've players playing for all these big European clubs so it's you know, at times it would seem like it's world of parts. Absolutely. And Keen, I suppose Ellen's first goal, um, Alan Brown finally puts the ball in the net and all this goal talk finally goes. But you'd have to say it was great build up play for the Republic of Ireland to get that goal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think everyone it was just kind of monkey off the back. Everyone was delighted. You could see the way Stephen Kenny and the bench reacted. Um, yeah, it was a good play, yeah. Stevens kind of just gave a nice little ball inside in his right foot and um, Cal Robinson then just yeah gave a little done at the dummy and then stood it up to the back post with his, with his left foot. And it's good to see Alan Brown getting into the box as well because, um, you know, maybe Irish teams in the past maybe haven't flooded men forward um, the way we did last night. So ultimately you're not going to score goals if you're not getting men into the box. So, yeah, it was good. Um, it was good to get on the score sheet anyways and get up and running. It's just probably unfortunate that we couldn't even get in a half time, maybe one nil. It was a bit of a sucker punch. Um conceding the um, first goal to I think Vlahanovic, I think he's a young player of Fiorentina, he's scored twelve goals something this season, like so that just probably just shows you the level we're at. Um yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, like 
we could probably do a, a we, we could do it Robbie Keane. I mean, who couldn't? But um, the strike seems to be suffering. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it'd be interesting to hear what Shane thinks. But I think we could be suffering from like teams don't play front twos anymore. So mo- like most teams play one striker. So then you're you're ultimately competing for one position. Like I know um. Like Aaron Connolly is behind, obviously behind Mope with Brighton. Uh, West Brom brought in a new striker, and Sam Allardyce Robertson hasn't seen much game time. Even Shane Long going alone to Bournemouth, you think he might get a bit of game time? I mean, Dom Solanke is their main man. Same Adam Eda is behind Timo Pukki. Um, so it's just hard to get in and, and get game time. And as a striker, I suppose you need to be playing week in, week out to, to get confidence and try and hit the back of the net uh, regularly. Yeah, that's an excellent point. To be fair. Um like about getting game time and it's difficult in, in terms of different formations that you're playing. And at the same time, they're still learning. I think that's that's the important. Yes, they're professional footballers. Yes, they're playing at relatively high levels, but they're still young in terms of their career. So you look at Troy Parrott. I know he wasn't involved in the matchday squad. Or say Aaron Connolly, um, Adam Edev, he's, he's back from uh, injury like these people they're still young Callum Robinson I suppose is nearly a senior player and it's not because he's old it's just because he's he, he has a, a bit more a bit more about him really and again he's struggling for game time as well so it's difficult to just turn it on for your country when you're not given the opportunity for your club and Shane um, survey you're applying there just before half time as Keane mentioned Vlavic's goal I suppose it was disappointing that we couldn't go into half time ahead and Kieran Clark really does have to do better and even take man on ball if he has to. Yeah, and I think that changes the dynamic, it changes the well, it changes the half time team talk as well. But it, you know, it would have been nice to, to go in um in front that good feeling because you, you, I know Keen kind of touched on it there. That you, you see the celebrations from the Irish staff as well, that that, that passion that Stephen Kenny generates and that good feeling and, and you know, would have been a really good time to just take stock of things, right, we're one up here, see how we can go um, and try and build on it. So, yeah, it came at a, a disappointing time. And as you mentioned, um, the individual errors is, is, is kind of the most frustrating thing, uh, I think, as well. And you mentioned Kieran Clark there as well, going through man and ball it's you know when you look back I suppose it's it's all these what ifs um and in hindsight what could have happened and yeah you would have preferred to see Karen Clark go through man and ball you would have preferred to have a bit more bite but I suppose it, it needs to show the character of of the players if you go in a half time it's not the ideal situation that you would have wanted having said that if you offered one all at the at the start of the match going in a half time I, I absolutely would have taken it um more so just to get the goal for the first time in 11 hours or whatever it was but um, that you'd be able to build on it in the second half and unfortunately just didn't and again individual errors cost us and perhaps that is a bit of a lack of experience and younger guys not playing with each other um, you mentioned the amount of training sessions guys still getting used to each other but it's a big it's a big thing as well when, it, when a new goalkeeper comes in um, having that relationship really and I know we'll get on to the goal and the, the hesitance in, in going for the ball and misjudging it as well. But there was a moment, I think, in like the 20th minute near the start that ball came through and Travers called for it clearly and Coleman just came in. Bit of experience from Seamus Coleman, captain, leader and all that. Just calmly took it away and cleared it. And then you could see the conversation between 
Coleman and Travers there. Travers pointing himself saying, I, I call that, I call that. And Coleman's like, it's okay, calm down, calm down. And that's actually what I was more fearful of. Just having a, a little look at that and thinking, okay, so there's something on the communication levels here that perhaps Seamus doesn't trust the goalkeepers as, as much. Or, And it, to be fair, he's your captain. He was taking ownership of the situation. So that kind of did instill a bit of worry. And then later on, we do see a goalkeeper get chipped. So I suppose it's communication levels uh, between people as well that they're probably not at 100%. Yeah, again, and um, Jay mentioned the chip there. Um, a bad mistake by Matt Travers, but I'm sure he knows that. Um, like, it, it was... Terrific for me to reach stopping it, but really Travers has to be back in his line there. Yeah, he does, yeah. Look, there's no point saying otherwise. Like he'll know that himself, you know. He's he's a professional footballer, but he's still a young man. Look, he'll know he'll know he made a mistake. He probably tried to anticipate the true ball, um, and he was out of it, but he still had he still had a couple of seconds to backpedal when he probably should have, but um look these things happen. Um, he's a young man, it's his was his first uh, qualifying game, you know, he'll learn from it. Um, you know, it's sometimes you know the finish might be great. You know, a lot of the time that can fly over the bar, and we're not talking about it. So I suppose just the fine margins of of top level sport. Um, yeah, look, it's unfortunate. Um, he actually went out on loan to Swindon, and he was playing a couple of games. And I think Begovic got injured in a Bournemouth, uh, so he had to go back. So that probably didn't help. Um, you know, it's probably hard to go from sitting on the bench to straight into an international game. So it might have been better if he if he was still at Swindon playing regularly. Um, but yeah, look, bad mistake. Um, it's uh, the, the level of abuse and that, and people tagging him as, as Shane was saying, is it, just disgusting. And I suppose there's no getting away from it. Um, he made a mistake, but there, it's uncalled for. And I think any anyone who's a true fan will not be uh, getting on to Mark Travers. You know, when you make a mistake, you need to be supported, um, not bashed. I think it's important to note as well that it's not a case of Mark Travers can't step up for the big occasion. I mean, his debut for Bournemouth against Spurs, he was exceptional. And, we, you know, he is an exceptional shot stopper. Perhaps he has to work on different parts of his game. But I don't think it's a case of the occasion got to him. I think, listen, you just had to write it off with that there was a couple of mistakes. If that had been a, a 32-year-old Shea Given back in the day making those mistakes, no one will say, oh, Jesus, what's up here? It's just something that happened. People can make mistakes. Footballers can make mistakes. And when a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's a lot more glaring and obvious because it can lead to a goal. And that's what happened. So I think there's definitely, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, and I wouldn't be overly concerned. Obviously, listen, Darren Randolph wasn't there. Quiven Kelleher wasn't there. Who would have probably played ahead of him? Um, but also on the goalkeeper, Kieran Westwood. I think the curious case of Kieran Westwood was fit enough to play twice in a week for Sheffield Wednesday, but was deemed not fit enough to play for Ireland. And your three goalkeepers are Kieran O'Hara, Gavin Bazunu. Um, and Mark Travers so I'm not sure really what was up with there because Kieran's played a, a good few times for Ireland as, as well in the past and he's, he's a lot more experienced um, I think he's in his, his 30s now possibly mid-30s um, so yeah that's a strange one there I'm not, I'm not sure why he wasn't in the conversation really I know I think the official line was because he wasn't fit but I mean you're playing twice in a week for Wednesday <laughs> you're fit enough to, to play Um so, yeah, I'm not sure um, on, on that front, really. So, listen, it'll, it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens this weekend as well because they'll hopefully know each other a bit more um, and and young Mark Travers will have a point to prove 
so it is about concentration levels and, and the mental side of things as well. Um, for all goalkeepers have to deal with that, but that that will be interesting to see if there is a, a bit more trust there or if there will be a couple of occasions where you might notice just a centre-half nipping in to take the ball when a goalkeeper's called for or so on and so forth. So, listen, I, like I, I hope it's all positive and... and, uh, and it's not a repeat of what happened. Um, and I don't think it will be a repeat. I think he will be able to dust himself off and, and go again. Yeah, and Keen, the third goal for um, Serbia, Mitrovic's second. Josh Cullen there probably should play the ball through, I suppose, longer to say long rather than kick it at his feet. It could have stopped the goal altogether. Yeah, it could have. Yeah, definitely. Um... I suppose uh, he did, he did give the ball away a bit cheaply, but um, we we still could have defended it better from from where it was. Um, again, it was it was a nice ball from Tadic. He kind of stood it up. He uh, put it on the play for Mitrovic, but um, I think Kieran Clark was he was backing off and he was kind of waiting for the ball to come to him to flick it on rather than going attacking it. And I think when you when you leave yourself open like that to a lad like Mitrovic who's so big and powerful, um, he was always going to come out on the losing side. Um, and that was a great header as well. Look, Mitrovic is a is a top finisher. He um he thrives on moments like that. So um yeah, like Ireland did like Ireland did try to play football, and that's the way Stephen Kenny wants to do it. And so look, yeah, you have to take into account that sometimes we're going to give the ball away, and maybe we might concede. But hopefully, in the bigger picture, um the the benefits would outweigh the the bad points. But um yeah, look, it was it was disappointing to concede the third one, considering we got back into the game. But um. Yeah, all in all, we probably uh, could have defended better again with, with Kieran Clark, but not not to pick on him. But um, yeah, look, disappointing overall, really. You mentioned creating opportunities, and and it was great to see that Ireland's first goal came from good football. But on the flip side as well, it was great to see the second goal, albeit came a bit late, and and the game may have been dead and buried, but it came from grit and determination and fight, and just really wanting to put your body in line. Shane Long chasing, you know, a ball that okay, it was a Serbian mistake, but the ball that he didn't have to 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 go for that 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 perhaps you you mightn't have thought that he did and even with, with Collins again just showing that that bit of want and desire and that's what you want as much as you want to see nice football um and Ireland passing it around and, and playing more attractive um style you still want that that fight and that heart and that bite and I think that's I, I think I commented on Twitter as well before the match. It, it didn't look like that fight and heart was there during the national anthems when, when half of them were just standing there, lips uh together and and, and not singing and looking a bit uh a bit distracted. And then you compare that with, with Serbia who were just who gave it socks. So yeah, no, listen, it was a nice way that to to finish out, I suppose, okay, we still lost, but um it showed a bit of bit of hunger. Yeah, we we definitely did show a bit of hunger at the end um, team, but you'd have to say towards the end of the game, our crossing of stages really let us down. Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, I suppose it's just it's just about having a bit of composure. And um, towards the end of the game, when you're rushing, uh, looking for that that equalising goal, um, like Robbie Brady came on, his delivery wasn't great. Um, I think McLean as well. Uh, we were just kind of scrambling for ideas really um, I know James Collins came on he's a, he's a big lad he was in the box but um, you know I suppose when it gets to that stage of the game and, and the other team are, are sitting back you know there's, there's little you can do only uh, only to try to uh, get it in there but um, 
maybe uh, it's something that we could work on to try and just maybe keep ahead and keep playing football like like some of the top teams do again. Look, that's that's uh, being a bit optimistic, but um, yeah, look, uh, we we could have got if if we maybe if we got a, a couple of better deliveries in and got our uh, got our head on one, we could have um, got an equaliser. And saying that, uh, Serbia nearly pinched us on the break. Uh, it was a I think it was Coleman got blocked back to, to block it well, so we could have could have ended up conceding another one. So it could have been worse, I suppose. It's funny when you see players making schoolboy errors, to use that cliche, making these kind of unforced errors and, and not getting good crosses in. I think you would nearly question if that's down to fatigue. And then that comes back to the bigger conversation of not having game time for their clubs as well. So that's another concerning aspect to that, I suppose. And James, just before I go, we wrap up from the survey game and look ahead to Saturday against Luxembourg. Um, Aaron Connolly fouled in the second half by Mitrovic, I think it was. And do you think that one should have been a penalty? Um, for me, yes, I think so. Um, I don't think Connolly had a good game and I don't think his reaction after it was a bit of a petulant slap on the ground uh, was, wasn't great. But yeah, no, I, I think it was in the modern game. You can't get away with those tackles. I prefer, this is why I'm a <clears throat> big fan of League of Ireland football because you, you can probably get away with, with, with some of them. But yeah, no, I think that would have been a penalty and if that uh, banned word of VAR was, was, was there, perhaps it was. But having said that, I think we would have given away a penalty fairly directly afterwards then when, when Coleman slipped as well and, and took down um, the Serbian player. So perhaps uh, the Italian referee in the night evened it up um, by, by not giving either. Um, we are now to look ahead to Luxembourg. Um, Luxembourg lost last night 1-0 to Qatar. Um, came from Nature, did you see the goal? Um, they gave away one the greatest defending ball across the box and Qatar scored. Um, but this has to be a must win. Yeah, and it's even mad saying that you know we're only one game in and we're into a must win already. But um, yeah, definitely. Like I think anything less than, than three points, and you can really say that our hopes of going to the World Cup are gone, really. Because um, look, if you look at the group, I suppose Portugal are probably more than likely going to top the group. Um, and you'd imagine we'd be we'd be uh, in a a good place to to take points off. The other two teams, and then it's it's us and Serbia for hopefully one and two, or sorry, us and Serbia will be competing for the, the second uh, spot. So uh, that's why last night was a sucker punch, and hopefully we if we can take maximum points against the other two teams, and then hopefully when when Serbia comes to Dublin, then um, we can turn them over. But uh, yeah, like it, it'll be good to play a team that we'll ho- hopefully well so called have have more quality than, and we can maybe try and hold on to the ball and play the way Stephen Kenny wants us to play. Um, get probably more attacking players on the pitch. I'm not sure if he'll stick with the with that formation. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be good to especially get a home game as well. And look, I suppose there's a lot of negativity around. Um, you know, with everything since Stephen Kenny's came in, really the, the results, the injuries, the goals, and um, that video that came out. Um, and you can see he's trying to build something like there. There, there seems to be a real togetherness there. Even last night, um. Like there was no uh, added crowd night, so you, you could hear the players and even the bench and like every tackle and. Every um, turnover and header was uh, was being cheered like so. And we it, look, personally like you, you you'd have to be uh, they, uh, wanting Stephen Kenny and Ireland just just to get a result like even just to get a win maybe a couple of goals going back into the, the, the players going back to their club season like it just gave everyone a lift and give us a bit of optimism for the next international break because the last thing you want is um, players dreading coming back to Ireland after you know one point out of six or something like that. 
Yeah, and Shane, can you see any changes being made on Saturday? We talked about Kieran Clare struggling. Aaron Connolly at stages could have made better runs, just kind of stopped as well. Um, can you see changes being made to this Irish team on Saturday? No, I, I think Stephen Kenny might see this as another opportunity for players um, to perhaps right some wrongs uh, from, from the Serbia match. But I think this is an opportunity to... I don't think we should just be happy with seeing some parts of, of positive play and some more stylistically to, to see a bit more uh, attractiveness uh, in our in how we approach the game. I think we need to dictate this game. Like, this isn't Serbia way. This is... It's Luxembourg, you know, with all due respect. So I think you need to be going out to dictate the game. And I'm not saying that I'm expecting a 4-0 win or anything like that. I'd happily take a 1-0, you know, but I think it's more just the confidence levels and showing that these players know each other and have trust in each other as well. So in terms of a starting eleven, you know, I wouldn't make too many changes um, because I don't think that the players will be available, you know, so... It's an opportunity to, to give them another chance because I think they can showcase individually. I think they can all up their performances a bit better. Um, ring fence and anchored by some of the more experienced guys like, like Seamus Coleman and, and so on, who, who did have a good game. Like Aaron Connolly didn't have a great game, but I mean, who comes in, in for him? You could start James Collins, you know, got onto the, the goal there but I think the whole dynamic and style of the team changes even if you make it a slight change like that if the, if the only change was James Collins for Aaron Connolly the whole way we approach it will be different uh, I feel so it depends on what Stephen Kenny wants if, he, if he's determined to stick to this game plan and stick to this is this is how we're playing then I say it would be very similar starting 11 um, but again that's injuries etc etc you know this and our next group of games um, our next batch of games it could be completely different as well because you can only play with the resources that you have available um, at the time and you know Stephen Kenny's you know playing with the with the hand he's dealt really and King, Stephen Kenny talked about being adaptable with the five at the back um, in his interview do you think we have to stick with that now if we were to revert back it would just cause a bit too much confusion yeah, maybe so, maybe so. It's hard to know, really. Um, like, it, it can be seen as a defensive formation, but, uh, like, if the wing-backs are used effectively, like, it, it can be attacking as well. Um, you know, like, a lot of teams around Europe are starting to use it now, but um, I, I don't know. Like, even when the team use or the team uh, selection came in last night, like, everyone was kind of guessing, would it be a, a three at the back or, or a four-three-three? Because um, I think Stephen Kenny has never really played that formation before. Um even, I think Brian Kerr was saying last night, his best teams at Derry and Dundalk and even his first few games with Ireland were all a, a back four. Like, so it is it is hard to go to that formation. But um, look, maybe maybe it is the case that you'll see we have more quality than Luxembourg and we can go to a 4-3-3 four, four, three, three or something like that. But um, yeah, I suppose it is the nature of, of uh, the season we're in and international football in general. Um, managers just don't get the, the time they, they need to work with players and Look, it's the same for everyone, really. Um, look, Luxembourg won't have time to work on formations. It's a level playing field, so it's just about getting um, fit bodies on, on the pitch and seeing who's available. I know like Aaron Connolly was camping up. Um, Jason Malumbi looked like he ran out of steam. Um, so it's just probably uh, talking to the medical team and seeing who um, who can give as much as they can for as long as they can, really. Um, 
you know, it's uh, as I said, it's a bit of a mad season with uh, a lot of games, so maybe lads are, are feeling the effects of it. So um, I suppose just getting fit bodies on the pitch and in, in whatever formation that may be. Um, as we said there, look, it, it is a must win, and, and please God, we can we can get results. Just on formations, you know, it has to be said these aren't under twelves that you're trying to teach them how to how to play in a certain formation. These are professional footballers who played numerous different ways and for their clubs so I think in a game of football in itself it's not a rigid formation that you stick with you transition between attack and defense and you know it's interchangeable throughout you have players possibly going from the left to the right and so on and so forth so there's a lot of changes in, in that regard so I don't think it, it, it should be too much of a burden for these professional international football players to change a formation but at this, having said that, I think it is about communication, getting to know each other and going back to my earlier point of trust in each other as well. Um, that hopefully if, if those things all can come together, then, in can, then we can go on and, and have a, a very positive performance uh, and ultimately come away with a positive, positive result because that is what's, what's needed this weekend. Yeah, I'm keen as well. Like we've talked about Stephen Kenny, how it is positive, but I suppose... All of us as Irish soccer fans would love nothing more than a great performance on Saturday and to get a result because it's much more enjoyable to watch, but I suppose he, he is receiving a lot of criticism now. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, I like, you're always going to have the, the general fan rage, but I think anyone that, that understands football and understands what Stephen Kenny is trying to do. Um, I think someone described last night as an ice bath for face, uh, considering what we were watching in previous uh previous campaign so um yeah ha- having said that you know you'd probably take a result over a performance on Saturday because um it's such a such a big game but um yeah with the bigger picture like it is um it, it is promising to see us trying to play football um and trying to develop players through um you know uh we were playing hoofball there for a long time and, and scoring out results and people weren't happy with it and now we're trying to play football and we're not getting results and people aren't happy with it. So look, you're, you're always going to get criticism. And look, I, I don't know what it is with Stephen Kenny. I don't know why people uh, are so quick to jump on his back. Maybe it's because he's not um, a so-called big name. Maybe, I don't know, of Martin O'Neill or a, a Trap Tony or whatever. But um, I, I people just need to give him a break. Like, I mean, as we were saying earlier, like what managers came into a team and had all those uh, headaches with team selection and COVID cases, injuries. So... Um, look, I, I think definitely he needs to be given a, a lot of time to try and implement his plans and hopefully uh, bring a new style of football and a, a new era to, to Irish football, really. It's funny, Keane, you, you say there you're not sure why people aren't giving him enough time. I say a large reason to that is because there's a media narrative <clears throat> excuse me, that has been pushed from the start that the knives were, were already out um, immediately. You see that in, in the stories being... Um, in, in the past about Seamus Coleman being made to do press conferences when he wasn't played and there's a rift and the the fallout from the video that, that Paul touched on earlier as well. I mean, there's people in the Irish media who've been around the block who should know better that are printing factually incorrect stories and columns that are negatively having a go at Stephen Kenny and that fuels then the narrative of this man isn't good enough and that fuels the narrative for Irish fans to be very wary of this man because they don't know him and I think there's a, a big factor in terms of that the League of Ireland doesn't have a, a massive following um, 
in general terms and then because of that a lot of people might and or might be sus- suspect of of Stephen as well but I think it's 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 not nice to see um the rift and that there was a rift in in the Irish media um of kind of the pro Kenny and anti Kenny brigade and that's what's fueling the narratives for fans to go up because a lot of fans will read the papers or read social media or however you consume your news and take that those views um and run with them themselves you know because you read something uh in the media and that's what you're going out and that's what you're saying to your friends i was going to say that's what you're saying down the pub but sure that's a that's a concept i'm not too familiar with uh, anymore but even when, when you're seeing your friends when, when you can um and stuff like that so that that's what's forming the conversations and, and that's another thing that's not great to see um already and, and something to see from the start because this is as we said this is probably the the whole narrative of this podcast is that this is a work in progress. This is a transition for Stephen Kenny and, and, and for Irish football as a whole, but he's already up against it, you know, with certain outlets. Um, and that brings with it a lot of pressure as well. And, and hopefully Stephen Kenny can manage that. Yeah. You spot on there. These issues have really been here even before Kenny came in and took the job. I suppose people are just getting on his back, but if we're to look at the league and, um, premier division, um, this weekend, uh, the first game um, on Friday, the 26th of March, um, Dundalk host Finn Herbson. Um, Keen, I suppose, coming to you, Dundalk will want to get a result here to, I suppose, get the talk away from their manager management saga. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there seems to be just sort of all sorts of news breaking from Memorial Park the whole time. Um, it's, uh, it's a bit mad, really, you know. Uh, Try and get the players to focus on uh, their duty on the pitch, but uh, yeah, as you said, yeah, they'll be looking for a result. Um, so it was a one-all draw in the open day. Um, like I know they were in the they were in the Europa League group stage last season, and they finished third in the league after after winning it twice. So I suppose they'll be uh, they'll be definitely looking to get a, a win at home to Finn Harps. Um, and Finn Harps as well, like probably their third season in the top like now, I think. Um. And the, the pandemic has probably hit them harder than, than most. Um, I think they were they relied a lot on their match day revenue. Uh, I think they were struggling to meet the the salary protocol from the FAI. So, yeah, look, hopefully they can they can keep going anyway, and we can get fans back in and they can get that revenue again. But um, yeah, look, you, you probably have to fancy Dundalk at home, but uh, yeah, it should be a good game, really. And then the second game, um, Waterford going up against Lyle was. A lot of attraction here um, being given to Waterford is because of Kevin Cheedy coming in as manager and um, Shane. And then, like, a terrific result, really, for Sligo um, against Dundalk and Oakland Day. And, like, there's a lot of talk about young Johnny Kenny as well now for Sligo. Yeah, certainly a lot of positivity in Sligo, and there has been for some time, both on and off the pitch. I think Sligo is one of the best clubs in terms of tapping into the community um, and generating money as well you know they've done wondrous things especially during the lockdown and when the football was was wasn't being played and they really kept the club alive so yeah no listen I think they're really seeing that now and, and hopefully the likes of Johnny Kenny can push on he's done exceptionally well but you have to remember as well he's a teenager you know he's a, he's a young guy and and to try and have all your hopes on so a, a young guy like that will be tough for him to to manage that um but 
listen, Liam Buckley's done a, a really good job out there. He's solid. I don't think Sligo will be pushing for a title or, or anywhere near that, but they won't be in fear of relegation either. So I think they're just a mid-table, solid team, really. Um, and, you know, I think that's down to the work Liam Buckley's done and, and Johnny Russell and, and a lot of heads out in Sligo as well. For Waterford, the curious case of Waterford, I, I just, I never know what to make of them, especially last season with Lee Power and everything and, John Sheridan and now Kevin Sheedy's come in. You'd like to see Kevin Sheedy do well from just purely that emotive, uh, old school Irish legend kind of view coming into the league, which is great. You know, it gives the League of Ireland a platform as well when you have when you have figures like that. Um, great guys who've given so much to the game coming into the league. And but in terms of management, it will be interesting to see uh, his style and and how we will go about things. Uh, really so for me I don't think they're going to be uh, up there really I think they will struggle Um, and listen give them time I suppose but I wouldn't have too much confidence at the moment in in, in that Waterford group Uh, so if if you're looking for a prediction I think Sligo will will, will come away with a victory there but um, it will be tight like uh, it will be tired in Dundalk Finn Harps I think I think Finn Harps obviously got the result against Bowes but that was up in Finn Park up in Bally Buffet so you know it's a different kettle of fish when you're when when they're on the road um, and I think Dundalk will sh- should easily win that to be fair um, I think Dundalk as well signed a new Korean um, international yeah. or Shane Keegan may have confirmed it so uh, yeah and it, but with Dundalk as well you talk about <clears throat> Ireland players trusting each other and, and blooding in and getting to know each other. I think Dundalk have been trying to do that as well in their 26-man management team, but as well as their United Nations uh, playing squad as well. So, um, listen, it will be interesting. Um, and I think when it's all said and done, it's just great to see that the League of Ireland is back and that football is back. So, yeah, another another big weekend, as you say. Um both of them longer than um, on Saturday, the 27th of May, game at 4pm. And Danny Mandry, obviously, a massive loss for Bose going to Shamrock Rovers. But Bose came second last year. They really need to hit the ground running here now. And Bose Longford did pull a surprise out of the bag, beating Berry City 2-0 um, last weekend. Yeah, definitely did, yeah. Um, yeah, Bowes, as I said, they lost in the opening day. They'll be looking to, uh, to rectify that. Um, even looking at their last three finishes, I think it was sixth, third and second. So like, there is I suppose, progression there the whole time. Um, can, they, can they go and win it this year? I, I don't know. Um, I think the, Danny Grant will be a, a huge loss as well. He, he went to Huddersfield, so um, it'll be hard hard to replace him. Uh, Longford, I suppose, Brad Stafford coming up. Um, I think that the last time they were up, they, they finished rock bottom on 14 points, so it'll probably be it'll probably be all about survival for them, even though they had a, a good win. Um, I think uh, Arnold Driscoll will be a good signing for them. Um, I, I played against him a few times before he moved to, to England. Um, he was with City there, uh, Southampton and Mansfield, and it hasn't quite worked out for him, but um, yeah, he's back now. He, he'll be a good, uh, good addition for, for Longford. Um, yeah, if we look for a prediction again, I'd say probably Bowes, Bowes at home, you know, you'd have to fancy them. But, um, but yeah, Longford will probably be all about survival this year. You posed the question there, Keane, of will, you're not sure if Bohemians uh, will win the league this year. They, I, I, I cannot see Bohemians winning the league this year or, or for the next few years. It's, it's a building 
It's, it's listen, Keith Long and Trevor Crowley have done exceptional things at Bohemians and they've really blooded in a few young players and they've nurtured young talent. But I, I still think they're away from being able to make that step up um, to Dundalk and Rovers. And in a full season, please God, we, we have a full season, COVID permitting, et cetera, et cetera. But I just don't think they're, they're capable of making a step up. And I think they're going to struggle for goals this year. Um, Georgie Kelly has been has struggled recently and on a personal level he's a really nice guy I'd like to see him do well um, but listen that remains to be seen really and I think that is a, a big concern for them Bowes have made wonderful strides off the pitch um, and have made progress on the pitch but I think this is the, the level at that they're at now um, and I can't see them you know building on, on second last season was very good but I think last season was a weird uh, season not that you'd write it off but I mean it was a shortened season and there was a lot of outside factors that you have to contend with as well um so yeah for, for me I, I can't see them winning it in for, for the foreseeable future anyway the game of the weekend this weekend um Shane Pats against Drada Drada met some drift signs Pats be disappointed last weekend obviously um conceding late to Rovers but Stephen O'Donnell is building quite an impressive side with Pats yeah, he is. And I, I suppose that was after an off-season where you wonder who, who Pats are going to have. Um, they didn't have a goalkeeper for so long. And then as we saw last weekend against Rovers, perhaps the, the young Czech goalkeeper they have on loan from Liverpool could be the signing of the season across the league. Um, you know, he, he's really assured and, and done really well. Um, and I think Stephen O'Donnell can, and Pats can build on that really. On paper, Pats always have such a strong squad and, and really good professional unit out there in Inchicore and I think Stephen O'Donnell is a young-ish manager learning as well I know he's got the experience of Alan Matthews um, behind him as well but Pats is a strange one it's they have the players to really impress and to really go um, to, to challenge for the title if they want and they had a couple of loan signings last year you know who looked good and this season hopefully Chris Forrester could be a new player if Robbie Benson can get back to the heights that you know that he was playing at um, they could be serious contenders. For Drogheda, I mean, Tim Clancy is is an exceptional manager for me. Uh, I think he's done really well. He's a shrewd operator. He's brought in a bit of experience. Dinny, Gary Deegan, Dane Massey. Um, and I think I think Drogheda should be should be okay. Um, I think Longford will go down if, if at the bottom if you're, if you're when you're looking at long term, but. For, for this match in in itself, I think Pats should come away with a victory. Um, and I think Pats should do well this season uh, as a whole. I think they're finally kind of coming together because they have the players. Um, it's just whether Stephen O'Donnell can can make that success uh, occur, I suppose. Yeah, and Keane, even when we're looking at the first division, um, a lot of quality sides this year in it, uh, Goal United, Shelburne, Cork City, UCD, Bray Wanderers, and, and it's it's hard to know what Treaty United would be like um, with the first year, but there's some real quality sides in the first division. Yeah, there is. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, it's hard to know really. But yeah, we'd be like the same with Treaty. Um, there's a couple of sides there that you'd probably even pick out that that would be down the bottom maybe. Um, or maybe Cove and Wexford could struggle. Um, and saying that there's a good there's a good bit of quality there as well. Um. You know, I was I was just looking at the betting there earlier on. Like I think Cork are, are four favourites in, in the first division. Like if you told that someone a couple of years ago, they'd probably say you're mad. Um, 
Yeah, I'd say Shells are probably Shells are probably the favourites to come out. Maybe Shells and Galway. Um, Alone Town are, are struggling. Um, they're they had a lot of problems behind the scenes. Um, it's hard to know that they constantly have a lot of player turnover, which doesn't help, and they always seem to be getting in new players. Um, so it, it's hard to really bed them in. Uh, but there is a, a good bit of work going on at the club at the minute to try to get them back, get them back up competing. Um, yeah, you said Cork. Cork will be looking to get out of the division early, but whether it's possible or not, I don't know. But um, I say Shells and Galway are probably the, the pick, maybe Bray as well, to be competing at the, the top end of the division. I think it's going to be as competitive as, as last season was. I think at one stage it was about five or six teams who could get promotion near the end of the fir- uh, first division season. Again, with that caveat of it was a shortened season, but you mentioned Galway Shells. That's obviously on, on Friday night out in Terryland. I mean, Galway are professional in the first division. So, you know, they will have that added advantage of even small things, like the small margins of lads can come in, have the breakfast together, can train then whatever time of the day they want. They can do different uh, tactical sessions, meetings, etc. Um, and I think that will really stand to them. And John Caulfield's an exceptional manager as well. And I think they've, you know, they brought in good players as well. Shane Duggan, um, Conor McCormick, you know, experienced Premier Division talent in the first division as well. Um, and with that professional kind of aspect to it, uh, Galway should certainly be there, thereabouts. And that's why their opponents on, on Friday, Shelburne as well, will, will be uh, very interesting to see how that goes. Now, I think the weather is meant to be absolutely diabolical in Galway this weekend, so that might affect the match. But for Shelburne, they need to go up, even off the, off the field as well. Their business plans, the new investment that, came, that has come in, I mean, they're five shareholders now who invested a lot in the club. It's valued at a million euro now um, with no debt, which is something that Shelburne haven't had for quite some time. They weren't planning to be relegated last season. I think that came as quite a shock. Ian Morris has, has been given an opportunity. He hasn't stepped away. He's, he's contracted. He wants to right the wrongs and, and bring Shelburne back up to the Premier Division. And the board have kind of stuck with him. Alan Reynolds has come in uh, as assistant as well, who I think is going to be an, an exceptional signing for them, even tactically and motivation and, and training on a, on a daily basis as well. But then you look at the players they've brought in. I mean, Maxi Coogan, Ali Gilchrist, uh, Kevin O'Connor, Yo-Yo Maddy, who, who bagged 20-plus goals last season in the first division, Michael O'Connor, who was away with Scotland, Glenn McCauley, former Liverpool youth, was done the circuits as opposed to Pats and Bows in, in recent times as well and Gerardo Bruna who was with Derry City like these were all players again I mentioned Duggan and McCormick for Galway they're Premier Division standard players that Shelburne have signed so there's no reason why Shelburne should not get promoted and I think that has to be the goal um, and if it's not a positive result for Shells this weekend and throughout the start of the season I think they're playing Bray and Good Friday it, it's going to be you know the pressure's going to mount on Ian Morris and you look at the, the management um pyramid I suppose at Shelburne you've Damien Duff you've Alan Caffrey you've uh the Hendersons you know you've a lot of uh qualified management there who who I think Ian Morris will be aware of Alan Reynolds as well and Noel King has come back into the women's team so uh there's, there's positivity there for, for Shelburne this season um and I think they're going with a new formation as well so again we talk about Ireland um having to, to deal with new formations and, and different styles of play under Stephen Kenny will be interesting for Shelburne. They, you know, it was a rigid 4-2-3-1 last season. I think they're going for the three centre-halves, similar to Ireland this season. Um, so it will be, will be very uh, 
different Shelburne than, than what we saw last season, I think. But yeah, we'll be really interesting to see Galway Shells this weekend. And you mentioned Bray. I mean, they've really strengthened young Brandon Kavanagh. Um, Brian Marder, goalkeeper, I think he's an exceptional goalkeeper. He's way up the Irish under-21s as well. So it should be Galway Shells, Bray, I think, up there, possibly Cork. I think Cork are very much in transition and, and it'll be interesting to see how, how they get on. Um, and then, yeah, you could have a couple of bolters. I actually think Atalone might be a bit of a bolter this this season. Um, you know, and then you have a Cabin Teeley, people like that, who Stradbrook's a very difficult place to, to go to. Um, so, yeah, it should be competitive. Uh, but the talent that, you know, Shelburne have in terms of Premier Division quality players, probably a stronger squad they had this season than they did in the Premier Division. And the professionalism of Galway should, should be enough to see them... Uh, see them through throughout the course of the, the season. Yeah, uh, you just mentioned that in the 21s we're playing Wales um, tomorrow, Friday 26th March at 1 o'clock over in Wales. But um, I suppose it's great seeing all the youngsters um, coming through for Stephen Kenny's side, but I mean, Jim Crawford's on the 21 side and lost a lot of players now, um, especially Connor Coventry there during the week. Um, with the injuries he had, he's been called up to the seniors. So that is a bit of a blow game, but there still is some real quality there. Like you're looking at Lee O'Connor, Gavin McKenney, and even Shane Flynn there is on the Leicester squad, I think, from the cup games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's a hard one to know with, with the under 21s and the senior team. I think even with uh, the under 21 Euros starting, I think starting soon. So, um, like people in England are debating whether. What uh, what Gareth Oakes should do? Like, what do you do? Do you want to win the on twenty one euros or do you prioritise senior team? It's probably a, a bit of a debate. But um, yeah, I think there's fourteen uncapped players out with the squad, so that'll probably tell you the the, the, the inexperience that is there. But um, yeah, I was just listening to an interview with Jim Crawford there, and look, he, he's kind of same as Stephen Kenny really. He's just talking about the the attacking brand of football he, he's wanting to play, and that probably is important because then when uh, players do get plucked, then from to, to go out to play it to, with senior squad, they're they're kind of just uh, seamlessly tra- uh, translating to the the style of football. I know it's a completely different, completely uh, different environment playing senior football, but the the principles and the style of play, if if they're the same, that should help them help them bet in. And um, yeah, Gavin Kilkenny, I think he hasn't played much much this year at Bournemouth, but he, he's definitely a prospect. And yeah, Shane Flynn as well, a young lad. I think he was on the the matchday squad for some of the the Leicester uh, Europa League games and uh, Premier League games as well. So. Yeah, I suppose if we could uh, just uh, keep seeing more green shoots to, to add to the senior team, that would be a, a positive uh, campaign for uh, Jim Crawford. I think that's one of the things Stephen Kenny done when he first first ratified as, as senior manager was that he wanted all the management teams throughout the age grades singing from the same hymn sheet so that, that this is a, a progression and this is, you know, you, you go from one age level up to the next, up to the next, up to the next. And it should be a seamless transition in terms of everyone has the same mentality and everyone has the same end goal, really. Uh, and, and Jim would have worked closely. Uh, Keith Andrews would have worked closely with Stephen Kenny for the 21s when, when he was in charge as well. And it's a really exciting group, you know, a, a crop of players, uh, I should say. We covered a lot with Air Sport of the, on the Irish under-21s and I saw a lot of them. Um, and they're really, really talented footballers and there's some, some more smashing guys coming through as well to add to that. And it's great to see the League of Ireland. You know, Brian Mars, as we mentioned, uh, Dawson Devoy, young Ashburn man uh, with Bohemians. He's an exceptional uh, young footballer. 
and then you do have such exciting talent that you know will only get better um, hopefully only get better really so yeah I'd be very excited to see um, this this group of players in the 21s and, and what they can do because you want to see that um, you want to see players pr- progress as well and it's nice that Jim called on a couple of League of Ireland players I think it was funny I was reading that Mark Travers and Aaron Connolly played against each other in the 2015 under 17 League of Ireland Mark Travers with Rovers Aaron Connolly with Merview and now they're both starting an Irish qualification match uh, for the senior team. So it's, it's small things like that that you would nice to see those relationships building uh, from a young age. Really, um, hopefully we get some positive results for this weekend. Great new brand action to look forward to that. But um, thanks a million for your time, then.